Hi, you guys. Welcome back to the Not Literary Podcast. I am your host, Orianne Rutter. Today, I'm going to read you another chapter from my first book, Rebound. Uh, the story today is special. <laughs> uh, and our guest today is excellent. Uh, so I'm going to read you the chapter called Don't You Want a Fanta? It is a story about the time me and my best bitch in Nashville dressed up as Fantanas, i.e. like the girls who wear Fanta flavored themed outfits and sing, don't you want a, don't you want a Fanta? That's not how the song goes at all, but whatever, you get the point. Uh, and yeah, we tried to hustle some sodas on the street to make money to go drinking. Uh, and things got shockingly out of hand. Uh, and then, yeah, we're going to do an after party as usual. And my after party guest is the main character in the story, Erna. She's coming to us all the way from Iceland. And we're going to get into it, baby, and have some cocktails and tell some more stories. So buckle your safety belts, get yourself a Fanta to sip on, and let's get into this story. Okay, let's go. At the time, this seemed like a logical idea. It started on a Thursday morning on the sofa with my cute blonde friend, Spana. Svana is a hot girl who loves vodka. This we have in common. Svana was also broke, another common thread between us. Svana wanted to go out that night, and wouldn't she know it, so did I. We agreed that nothing makes a broke girl feel less broke than a temporary hold on reality, a real girl's night out. But how would we afford it? We could panhandle. Do you play the guitar? I asked her. You know I don't, and besides, I'm not some dirty street beggar. Leave that to the guys on Broadway, she rolled her eyes. Ooh, maybe we can sell off my Adderall, she perked up. We're not fucking drug dealers, I said. They're not even drugs. Besides, they make me too jittery, she chirped. Okay, maybe. That's a solid start, I said. But I'd rather do something less white trashy. Pills, you know? It's so trailer. We sat on Svana's sofa, pondering other money-making schemes as her television buzzed in the background. Don't ya, don't ya. Don't you want the? Both Svana and I bobbed our heads to the sing-song jingle coming from the television set. We looked up and sang the song in unison. Don't you want the? Want the Fanta? Man, I want to be a Fantana. Maybe we can dress like them for Halloween, Svana said. Oh my god, how do you know what they're called? I poked her. Shut up, whatever. I like them. Svana was actually blushing and I felt a little bad. Yeah, I guess I could rock that. It needs more glitter, but still, I'm down with the monochromatic thing. And I like her tights, I said. Oh, totally. And 10-4 on adding glitter, Svana agreed. But Halloween isn't for, like, ever, I pointed out. But Svana's voice sweetened whenever she had a good-slash-bad idea. We should, like, do it anyway, she smiled and stood up from the sofa. Our plan for the day was then decided upon. Svana and I would dress up as Fantanas and sell sodas on the street. This was our great money-making scheme. I know. But according to us, this was a good plan for several reasons. First, we would make awesome costumes, which was fun, and also would double as our going out ensembles for later that night. This meant we didn't have to go shopping for a cheap girls' night dress, and you know what they say about a penny saved. Secondly, this was our scheme. 
We could buy the sodas in bulk and use our sex appeal to make a fortune. We could easily charge a dollar for a soda we bought for 50 cents. That's 100% profit, y'all. We would have so much beer money, it would be ridiculous. We would have so much beer money, it would actually be vodka money. Third, lugging the sodas and strutting our stuff was going to be a workout. We would pretty much be exercising the whole time. This was the trifecta of good plans. We were going to be sexy, rich, and skinny. And as our reward for our work as America's soda-selling sweethearts, we were going to have a fabulous girls' night. What could possibly go wrong? I left Svana's apartment and returned to my own to put together the best orange Fantana outfit I could scrounge up. Svana agreed to do the same and got to work putting together a citrus version for herself. We would meet later in the day, and if our scheme took off the way we planned, we would be successful soda-selling machines before happy hour. Svana arrived later that afternoon, toting a cooler full of different flavors of Fanta. While I was hard at work creating a huge sign that read, Don't you want a Fanta? in all caps, Svana kept herself busy by spray-painting our cooler hot pink. Our outfits were absurd. Svana pulled off her citrus Fantana look with a kind of apocalyptic panache. She had covered herself in torn neon yellow strips of fabric layered over neon yellow tights. Underneath, she wore a canary yellow bodysuit. She had tied a yellow strip of fabric around her head, creating a sort of hot chick Rambo thing I was very into. She looked like a Fantana who was ready to go into battle. Her look said, buy my sodas or else. My orange Fantana getup was a more cabaret meets Copacabana meets, of course, the Pussycat Dolls. I wore matching neon booty shorts, tights, and fishnets, all in a shade of hideous neon orange, along with a few layered neon yellow tank tops. It was cold outside, but we would not be deterred. Beauty, especially apocalyptic slash Copacabana beauty, has no season. We hit the streets. Specifically, we hit Upper Broadway in downtown Nashville, since it was pretty much the hub of drunken commerce in the city. We paraded in front of my former workplace, the Broadway Brew House, a spectacle for all, including my former bosses, to see. We vogued, holding up our spray-painted sign. We danced with scraggly-looking homeless men to draw attention to our cause. But what was our cause, exactly? Other than booze, we didn't have one. We weren't selling many sodas, and Svana started to worry. With the money we spent on the cooler, the spray paint, and the sodas, she started to calculate. There is no way in hell we are going to break even, she said deflated. We could at least make some of the money back, right? I asked. That isn't the point, Orion. We need to step it up. Svana's Rambo thing was really working for her here. I did a quick mental inventory. We looked damn cute, and since neither of us had been drinking, we were being unusually appropriate. There was no nudity, no profanity. I wouldn't call us a class act, but I wouldn't call us street trash either. Still, the only people who seemed to want our sodas were the street bums of downtown Nashville. What were we doing wrong? Maybe we should give out some samples, I suggested. The homeless guys all want one, Svana pointed out. We weren't monsters, and we needed some free advertising, so we happily passed out complimentary sodas to the local bums. Soon, we were crowded by smiling groups of homeless men. They sat with us, sipping grape, orange, or citrus sodas through the gaps between their missing teeth. Men with crusty beards full of crumbs, their clothing stained with urine and street muck, put their arms around one another in an odd act of soda solidarity. 
together, we chanted an off-key and down-and-out version of the Soda Brand's catchy theme song. Don't you, don't you, don't you want a, don't you, don't you, don't you want a? We sounded like a group of Muppets on Downers. As our numbers grew, non-homeless people finally started to take notice. Our advertising campaign had worked. Svana and I, in our neon gear, looked extra bright in contrast to our hobo pals. Pedestrians and tourists stopped to take pictures with us, convinced we were the real Fantanas. I kissed babies and shook hands. We tried to sell our sodas, but were still slapped with rejection again and again. Our public loved us, but they weren't buying the goods. What were we doing wrong? We were only asking a dollar, but even the more affluent looking of our fans refused to cough it up. Our homeless buddies were making more money than us just sitting on their pimply butts and panhandling. We need a new gimmick, Svana whispered to me as she posed with two short men in matching soccer jerseys. Tell them it's for charity, I joked. Svana looked at me and smiled. I smiled back. Tell them it's for kids, I added. A nonprofit organization. Whatever works. Svana nodded in agreement. What's a good friend worth if they can't enable your worst ideas? One young mother, pushing a double stroller with two blonde, curly-haired children, approached, her husband at her side. What are you girls doing out here? She laughed a little at our ridiculous outfits, but seemed nice enough. We're raising money for children, I spat out. Cancer kids, Svana added. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, we've been campaigning for hours. We're working toward eradicating children's lymphoma. So, don't you want a Fanta? I asked. The couple purchased two immediately and shook our hands in admiration. With each passerby, we changed or embellished our lie. First, we were selling sodas for cancer kids, plain and simple. Save the cancer kids, we would shout in between verses of our Fantana song. After some pointed questioning from skeptical customers, we specified that our nonprofit organization was actually the Make-A-Wish Foundation. This added to our credibility. People loved us and our cause. The name recognition of the foundation, along with our energetic display, had our cooler emptying faster and faster. But there's a party pooper in every crowd, and after being asked by one particularly savvy street patron to prove our affiliation with the organization, we had to tweak our story yet again. Svana had a stroke of genius and started telling people we were raising money for my little brother, who was only whispers away from death and desperately wanted to go to Disneyland. Poor Pinky, I sighed to one customer. That's his nickname. <laughs> Ever since he went bald, Svana had to cover her mouth to keep from laughing. Then the police arrived. Seems Svana and I had failed to get the proper permit to sell sodas on the street. There was no mention of our lies, despite a growing faction of tourists mentioning our cancer kid discrepancies to the officer. Johnny Law didn't care much about the moral side of the argument. We didn't have the paperwork, we didn't pay to play, and so we had to go. Shut down by the man, we passed out the last few sodas for free. A divided group of people comprised of our fans and our haters booed at the police and at us respectively as we lugged our cooler off into the sunset. Around the corner and away from all the booing, Svana and I stopped to count our money. 140. Not too bad. After what we spent, that's like 50 bucks each, she said. Should we, like, give some to charity? Oh, I had to think about it. I guess we can. 
I wasn't entirely sold on the idea because 50 bucks each isn't much. Bartenders here make like three bucks an hour. Isn't tipping them sort of like charity, I reasoned? Good point, Svana took very little convincing. She pushed the cash into her bra and proceeded onward, lugging the hot paint cooler. We walked toward Svana's car, a beat up green tin can, and loaded up the cooler inside. Directly across from our parking spot, there was an unidentified ritzy celebration being held. There was a short line in front of the Hilton, and everyone wait waiting around was well-dressed and good-looking. I glanced at Svana. I glanced at the Fanta sign. Hey, I said, pointing toward the event across the street. Want to try to get into that party? Maybe they'll think we're like brand ambassadors for Fanta, I asked. Or make a wish, Svana laughed. It's not the worst idea. People have been taking pictures with us all day. I mean, we have fans, she laughed again. She grabbed our makeshift cardboard sign and marched across the street. That's Svana, always down for a party. Upon entering the lobby of the hotel building, 100 eyes darted our way. We were in a Gucci Pucci crowd, and us? We were dressed as sody pops. Slender women in stiletto heels clicked by, arm in arm with their tuxedo dates. We didn't fit in, and people stared. Even so, no one asked us to leave. We were surprised when no one flinched as we walked straight past the line at the door. I think it's working. I think they think we work here, I said, gripping the Fanta sign in my hands. I looked around the lobby, trying to figure out what this event was all about. Look, Svana pointed toward the front desk. Strung up was a large, glittering white sign that read, Nashville Fashion Week. A total fashion and style hag, Svana was flushed with anticipation. Maybe we can see a fashion show, she said, and marched to the front desk. I followed. Hi, I said. I work with Format Magazine, and we're covering your event tonight. Tell me, which way is the next fashion show? I handed the woman at the front desk an old business card from a magazine writing gig. I had held onto the card for just this purpose. The woman at the front desk had an odd familiarity about her. Her sharp features, beaky nose, thin lips, and beady eyes reminded me of someone. I couldn't quite place her. She examined us. She looked at my neon orange fishnets and at Svana's Rambo headband. Her eyes stopped on our sign, drippy paint on poster board. Not exactly professional. I guess I was a little off-brand for, off for an arts journalist covering Nashville Fashion Week, but whatever. Svana quickly put the sign behind her back and smiled innocently at the woman. You're a writer, she asked. Yes, yep, that's me. Hence the card, I replied. Hmm. The woman narrowed her gaze and looked slowly at Svana and back at me. I thought you were selling sodas on the street and hanging out with the homeless men, she said flatly. Oh my gosh, that's why you look familiar. You bought a soda from us, I gushed, nudging Svana. Oh, wow, so you met us already. That's right. Yeah, my friend, my writer friend. She's helping me with my little fundraising effort. For the kids, Svana smiled innocently and put her arm around my shoulder, giving it a squeeze. At that, the woman turned around and walked away from us. We watched as she alerted two security guards and pointed toward us. You know, these people are snobs, I said hurriedly. I agree. Who wears a tux in Nashville anyway? Svana had already started walking. 
Yeah, for real. And why is there even a fashion week in Nashville? (laughs) Nashville doesn't have fashion. We were speed walking toward the door. We left the building before anyone could physically remove us. Where should we go now? Svana asked as we plopped down into the bucket seats of her 90s coupe. East side? I asked. Oh my god, I almost forgot. Tiesto is playing at Limelight, she said, turning the key in the ignition twice before the car started. EDM had been dead to me since the early 2000s, but Svana adored it. We still had our sign, and we were still in our costumes. We hadn't been classy enough to get into fashion week, darling. But we could surely get into a lousy nightclub without paying cover, right? This time, I avoided using any outdated business card and used the oldest trick in the book. Tits and ass. We were past the line and in the door in no time. Plus, since we looked so crazy holding up our sign, people still assumed we worked for Fanta. People really go nuts for those Fantanas, and loads of free drinks started flying our way. I was unaware being dressed up as a soda could cause such a stir, but man, we had some hardcore fans. After a few more cocktails and a few opening acts, the main attraction took the stage. The crowd swelled toward the front of the room, surrounding us, squishing our crumpled sign. The beats began, and I started to feel an uncomfortable grinding against my ass. I turned around and saw a sweaty, underage, blonde raver type pushing his groin into my hip violently. His jaw jutted well in front of the rest of his face and plastered and was plastered with a goofy grin. The guy looked special. He was not indeed special. He was just on ecstasy. Now look, I'm no prude. I am certainly no angel. Maybe I deserve to feel this creep's nut sweat all over me that night. But if there's one thing that will send me into a fury, it's having to repeat myself. So when I politely asked this moron to get off of me, one, two, three times, and he just kept hideously humping away, I was furious. I wanted to hit the guy. But as I had learned with Snowball Paul, hitting was not the answer. I pushed him away, but Ecstasy Face just kept humping toward me, grinning that hideous grin. Since there was no escape in sight, I decided to teach him a lesson. I leaned in and pulled him closer, wrapping my arms around his waist. I smiled and groped him, lower and lower, until I found his wallet and removed it from his pocket. I danced a slow dance in a circle, grinding against him as I did. Oh yeah, turn that ass around, the idiot shouted out. Ugh. I removed the cash from the wallet and tossed it to Svana. Get rid of that, will ya? I asked. Not one to ask questions, Svana acquiesced. Sure, I gotta pee anyway. She turned and started walking. Be right back, she shouted. Ecstasy face was confused when I went back to pushing him away. This alerted him that something was amiss. But what could it be? He stopped his idiotic dancing and stood, looking at me and around the room. He turned in a full circle as if lost. Then he started reaching his hands in each pocket again and again. His face went from blissfully stupid to stupid and angry. Maybe someone should have kept their hands and granted themselves, hmm? Where's my fucking wallet? He yelled over the bass. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I turned toward the stage and continued dancing. I danced for two lengthy songs without any interruption from Ecstasy Face or his boner. 
I was surprised he had given up so easily, especially since it was clear that I had robbed him. I know he was dumb, but Jesus, that's really dumb, I thought. I was getting sweaty and I was getting sober. I wanted to hit the bar and started scanning the crowd for Svana. I surveyed the room. She wasn't at the bar. She wasn't near me in the sweaty dance pit. Hmm, where else would she be, I thought. My eyes darted to the speakers on each side of the stage. She wasn't dancing on those either. Weird. I looked toward the entrance. Maybe she had stepped out for a smoke? And there she was. Svana was at the front door, in handcuffs. I stormed over, pushing sweaty bodies out of my way. What in the hell is going on here? I demanded of the police officer, detaining my friend. Well, she's a pickpocket, according to this guy. The officer gestured at, you guessed it, ecstasy face. Ugh. No, no, no. She's not a thief. No way, no day, I told the officer, who looked unconvinced. She is, too. Both of them are fucking thieves. The blonde and the brunette. They stole my fucking wallet, he yelled. I mean, yeah, we did. But this guy had, like, zero sense of humor. Look, I reasoned with the officer. I quickly came up with a plan. I had been lying all day and saw no point in stopping now. Besides, what kind of friend would I be if I left Svana to hang for my crime? I have morals. These two are always pulling this shit. He pretends he doesn't know her. She pretends she doesn't know him. They get in some weird situation. And you know, it's like their thing. Their sexual thing. I raised an eyebrow at the officer and ran my fingertips down his arm, slowing down the word sexual. Frankly, I'm a little tired of getting caught up in the middle of it, I said, rolling my eyes again. I leaned into the officer more. The officer didn't budge, but he was listening. He said he doesn't know her, he replied, his eyes fixed on my cleavage. Tits and ass, ladies and gentlemen. Tits and ass. That's the point, I told him. Of course he said that. That's the game. But seriously, he's taking it too far. I turned to Svana. You should really break up with him, girl. This shit is getting ridiculous. The music was too loud for Svana to hear what was going on, so she just nodded, tears streaming down her angelic face. Hmm, the cop grunted, considering my story. He looked at Svana, a svelte blonde with swimming pool blue eyes. He reached toward her cuffs and began unlocking them. You seem like nice girls, he said, slipping the cuffs off Svana's wrists. But I don't want to see you girls in this. Fucking run, I yelled the second Svana was free. And we did. We ran past the officer. We ran past the entrance line. We ran past the parking lot and past our parked car. We ran across the intersection, darting through traffic. We ran and ran and ran. All the while, still hanging on to our cardboard Fanta sign. Our platform yellow and orange shoes clomped like horses' hooves as we trotted away. Two streaks of orange and citrus soda we were, sprinting down the street at top speed, never looking back to notice that no one was following us. Almost a mile into our run, I stopped to heave for air. My stopping point happened to be right next to my favorite East Nashville bar. Maybe we should stop, I called out to Svana, who had continued to run. She stopped suddenly and bent forward a little, wrapping her arms around her ribs, also heaving. How convenient, Svana said, nodding toward the bar entrance. I feel like we earned this, 
I said. And hadn't we? We had completed our plan for the day, and then some. We had made friends, made money, and worked out. Sure, the friends were homeless, the money was stolen, and the workout was running away from cops, but we had done it. Mission accomplished. It was time to kick back and celebrate our successes, right? Once inside Red Door, Svana and I got a good look at how haggard we looked. Sweaty, panting, and sporting sagging and ripped versions of our original outfits, we looked less like Fantanas and more like fugitives. Fugitive life, I held up my tall vodka soda and clink glasses with Svana. How are we paying for these? I spent my phantom money at Limelight, Svana sighed. Girl, I just said fugitive life, I told her, pulling a small fold of bills, ecstasy faces, bills, from my cleavage. Svana laughed and raised the torn and battered Fanta sign high above her head. To Fanta, we said in unison. Don't you want a Fanta? She screamed at the top of her lungs. The bar quieted, people turning in their chairs to observe. A true warrior and a party animal, Svana yelled again, Don't you want a Fanta, bitches? The next morning, I awoke with a start. Where was I? What was that noise? The jarring, grinding sound that filled the neighboring room stopped, and Svana emerged from the kitchen holding two green smoothies. Hey, girl, want a smoothie? Svana asked. They have spinach in them, but you can't taste it. They're really good. She looked rough and still had her yellow Rambo Fantana headband tied around her head. I looked equally as terrible, but in orange. What happened last night? I had no memory after our last uproarious Fanta toast. Beats the shit out of me. I looked at my credit card statement this morning, and apparently we spent a hundred bucks at least at Red Door. I don't even remember being there. Svana plopped down on the edge of the sofa. Shit, we were supposed to use that guy's money. It was like at least a hundred bucks. Where's your car? I rubbed my throbbing forehead. Should be at Limelight still, right? Wait, what guy's money? Svana really didn't know. She had blacked out even harder than I had. Svana, do you not remember running from that cop? I sat up. It all started to come back to Svana in mental Polaroids. I could see it in her face. She looked around the room, and every second or two would shake her head like an etch sketch and get a brief look of horror on her face. We ran from cops? Oh my god. We ran from cops. Svana started to laugh. We totally did. I joined her, my laughter eventually turning into a wet smoker's cough. I was still rubbing my temples, my eyes bloodshot, makeup smeared across my face. Hey, she pointed at me. Who's Donnie? Huh? Donnie? I asked. She pointed again, this time to my right hand. I looked. There was a phone number written there, and a name. Donnie's name. Well, hello, Donnie. I rolled my eyes and curled back into a ball on the sofa where I had slept. Ew, is it that gross guy you were dancing with at Limelight? He had such a boner, Svana asked. What? Ugh, God, no. That idiot? I hate that guy. That's why I stole his wallet. I laughed. That's why I got handcuffed. It was all coming back to Svana now. Damn, girl. You were drunker than I thought last night. Did you take anything at Limelight? I popped my head up from under the covers. 
No? Spana smiled and batted her eyelashes. Well, I'll tell you what, I said. What's that? Spana plopped down onto the sofa next to me. I'm never, ever, ever drinking again. I hunched even farther under the blankets. Oh my god, me either, she agreed. Until, like, Tuesday. Spana pulled back my blanket and winked. That was Don't You Want a Fanta. It's one of my favorite stories. Also one of my favorite experiences from when I lived in Nashville. It was so dumb and so fun and just like the perfect debauchery that this book is really all about. Now, the character in the story, I named Svana, but her real name is Erna and she is joining us right now. So let me get her in the Zoom room. Let's do this. Time for the after party. Hi, Erna. <laughs> it's so good to see your face. Erna is coming to us all the way from Iceland. It's 2 p.m. in California. What time is it in Iceland? 9 p.m. here. Ah, oh, you're so much cooler than us. <laughs> you're drinking at a normal hour, and I'm day drinking like a hobo. Uh, no, I've been drinking all day as well, so don't even worry about it. Oh, good. That makes me feel better. Uh, so I, I told you my fridge died. While I was sleeping, actually, night before last. And so I woke up and it was like, it didn't smell great in my kitchen. I was like, that's an odor. And I was like, did I throw, like, a bunch of onion skins in the trash or something? This is a great story. The point is, I went last night and bought some ice and champagne so that I would have cold champagne for today. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I love champagne. Oh. Yeah, this isn't going to make a good I'm going to have, like, the nice, like, little Kool-Aid uh, wine mustache here. Yes. This. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do mimosas. Times in Nashville. You have to drink when you're talking about Nashville. You really do. I mean, you really, really do. It's, like, insane. Uh, like, insane. We were such hot messes, dude. It was yeah. great. <laughs> it was awesome and it was like okay we're in our 20s fuck it why not it was really we're perfect timing <laughs> I also like realized that the eight years that I lived in Nashville were the eight years when Obama was president oh really yeah. what a time <laughs> <laughs> what a time to be alive but like what a great time to live in the south <laughs> I just remember Going to the gay bar to celebrate uh, gay marriage getting passed in all of the United States. And, like, everybody in, like, even the gay bars in Nashville at that point were really, like, full of a lot of toothless people. And usually, like, you know, your gays are your most attractive population. And it was still just, like, eh, like people were, like, cheering. And it was, like, overall. I like, 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 <laughs> I can marry my cousin. <laughs> Um, sorry, that's me. <laughs> yeah. I'm adding mango nectar fancy to my oh. mimosa. I know, right? That is so fucking awesome. That's so, like, nice. With the champagne girl. With the <laughs> so nice. Oh. Well, I never... I, I've leveled up. <laughs> I'm always saying, I think that, like, my catchphrase is probably, I never day drink. And people hear me and they're like, you're always day drinking. Like, every time I see you, you're day drinking. I'm like... But I don't do it. But I don't really day drink unless it's a special occasion, like today. Yeah, of course. Then I, yeah, it was definitely a special occasion today. 
So, so, I just recorded the story, so I did read it. Okay. That story, out of every story in the book, is the most embellished story. I, like, went all out, and I really wanted us to sound like we actually were, like, the biggest assholes in the world. Like, we were super cute girls, and we were nice to people to an extent, mm -hmm. but, like, when we would drink, we were horrible people. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say horrible people, but you know, maybe not on the up and up made for sure. Choices. <laughs> made some interesting life decisions. Yeah. Uh, one thing I know was not true in the story is that I didn't steal any money from that kid at Limelight. Okay. Okay. Cause I was wondering, I was like, did she take money from him? No. So I was like, reading the story over again today. And I was like. Okay, yeah, I remember, like, the fucking um, Nashville Fashion Week. Those bougie-ass motherfuckers. Like, oh they my were God. so mean to like, us. We're like, Fashion Week in Nashville? Like, what the fuck? Like, this is stupid. Like, and they're all bougie about it. Like, no, Nashville and fashion, like, that does not, that's not a thing. You can put like, rhinestones on your cowboy boots, bitch, but, like, don't get an attitude about it, right? Get out yeah, of here. exactly. It's like Manuel should be king, and you should all be wearing fucking his shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Manuel! Manuel! Oh my god. Okay, so if you guys don't know who Manuel is, he is a designer that lives in Nashville. I don't know what kind of Latin American he is, or like Latinx, uh, but yeah, he is a little brown man who makes these like fabulous rhinestone like fringe jackets and like suits. Um, if you look him up, just look up Manuel Nashville and it'll come up right away. I want a suit from him so bad. I know. And he passed away, right? Like oh. he was alive and we were there. And I think he did pass away. But I remember little Richard being in a limo in a Manuel suit. <laughs> little Richard! Coming from his shop, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One time I was walking my dog back from uh the Vanderbilt campus and Manuel's shop and I think home were like the same I think he lived in his shop uh, yeah. <laughs> not like that but he had like a live workspace uh it was catty corner from where I was living at the time and I was walking back and I heard a lot of music and I saw a lot of people kind of dressed up going to this house and I was so I took out my earbuds and I heard Wanda Jackson and I was like oh that's cool that they're like playing Wanda Jackson and then I kind of like peeked in and saw that it was like elderly ass Wanda Jackson playing live. And I was wow. like, I have to get into this party. So I like was in like a sports bra and like running shorts and I had my chihuahua and like, I, duh. It's kind of like when we tried to go to fashion week dressed as Fantas. Um, <laughs> I just went up to the door and I was like, I have to come inside. And they were like, no, you're I'm a writer. <laughs> Here's my business card. You guys called me. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so they were like, um, no. And I was like, fine. And then the people behind me, I listened in, and they had brought a keg. And they didn't like, no, that's not what happened. I went next door to JJ's, the coffee shop. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went yeah, in there. I don't remember that. <laughs> and, <laughs> reminiscing about Nashville is like taking me back I'm like it's so oh, crazy it. it's gone now and then I'm like reading all these stories like everything's closing 
Like, it's just insane. Oh, my God, girl. It's so different now. It's so yeah. different. I'll tell you. It's so tragic. But, uh, yeah. so I'm in JJ's, and this couple is in front of me, and they're dressed really nicely. It is obvious to me that they're going to Manuel's party. Right. They're, they're buying, they're picking up a keg that they ordered. And the guy at JJ's is like, okay, it's $25 deposit for the keg tab. And they're like, $25? <laughs> Why would I give you $25? He's like, it's just a deposit. You get it back so that you bring the tap back to us. And he's like, I'm not paying $25. And the guy, like, the kid's trying to explain it's a deposit. And the guy's like, no, no, no. So they leave. So I give the kid $25 for the keg tap. And I went across the street and I changed my clothes and I went back. They didn't recognize me from being, like, sweating with a dog in my arms. And I was like, I'm here. I brought the keg tap for that keg that just rolled in. And the guy was like, come on in. So I got to go to the party for a few minutes, but it, it wasn't fun. Wow. But you are so, like, smart and clever. You, like, figured out a way to get in somehow. It's nice of you to say I was lucky. I was lucky. No, yeah. You're just like, keg tap. That's what I'll do. Yeah. Every party needs alcohol, right? I know. Exactly. Exactly. And that guy was an idiot. Like, how the fuck are you going to... What? You know. <laughs> that guy was such an idiot. $25? Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm not giving you 25 bucks. Like, <laughs> what? Give it back. It's like two packs of cigarettes and like a pack of gum, you moron. I know. People are so dumb. I swear. So, I want to know about Iceland. I haven't talked to you. I mean, I've, we've like communicated, but I haven't like seen your face and talked to you. Let's start out with an easy one. How was your pandemic? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that tragic. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, we were texting a lot, communicating a lot during the pandemic. Kind of reconnected then, didn't we? Yeah. Around that time, because we were just like, what the fuck is going on? How is it going with you? Like, how is it going in the States? Because yeah. Iceland, it was a much different story, you know? That's what I'm curious about. Like, I, I feel like your health care is light years ahead of ours. Your government is light years ahead of yours. You guys are a lot smaller. Also, you're, like, an island. Um, so, like, the pandemic spread isn't quite as... And you don't have rednecks, I don't think. No. I mean, yeah, we do have, like, of course, you know, village people. But hill I mean, people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I the hill people. But, no, I think they trust the government here because healthcare has always been free here. You know, it's always been a human right here to have free healthcare. And so they trust the, when the, the, the person that's in charge of all of the doctors in Iceland, when he is coming up every single day at two o'clock on the news and telling the statistics, telling everyone what's going on, being very open, very clear about what is going on with this pandemic. Every single day, it's 2 o'clock, we get a, a news from the, the state official, like the government official over all the doctors here. And it's not just him, it's also the police, the, another uh, person that's in charge. So it's like they're being interviewed every single day and like the people great. get all this information. They have all this information at their fingertips. You can go on covid east and you can get all the information there like they're very very open and clear and it's fine and uh, everyone trusts the system here because they've always gotten free health care here you know so yeah it's a lot different it's a lot different is education in iceland free as well 
Yes, it is. Those yeah. are the two things that I keep just begging people to be about. And I, like, I think I, like, casually maybe two to four times said something kind of out of the side of my mouth on some stupid internet conversation, um, like, either be it on, like, Instagram or Facebook, on, like, a friend's post about, like, what do we need to do to... And I just said free education, free healthcare, and I get met with, like, this wall of resistance from people who are for all intents and purposes pretty fucking poor and would benefit from free health care and free education and they're like how on earth would our government ever afford that no government can afford that and i'm like here's a list of 30 countries where that has been the standard practice for years and years so yeah, i don't understand why 30 civilized countries can do it and this one can't and we can't we could yeah. easily we're, we're one of the richest countries we are the richest country in the world from what i if we still are in that standing why wouldn't we? Yeah, well, that's what they keep on saying. But are they really? I mean, I think I think America is more in debt than they would like to admit. Yeah, that's a good know? point. And also the fact that we print money and don't. Yeah, it, I mean, that's a that's a deeper conversation, and I don't know the answer to because I kind of like yeah. live in the clouds, especially yeah. since the pandemic. I got like pushed into like this kind of alternate reality of like this split country with both sides saying the most ridiculous things about the other side and about each other and showing like the ugliest parts of their personalities. And this was a lot of friends. And then you mix in just kind of like, and I'm sure everyone feels this way in all of the world. You mix in just the fear of the unknown. Um, and then like, you know, a lot of like drug overdoses and suicides went way up and so obviously I have like a very high risk group of friends from working in bars and clubs for so long and also being like a high risk youth when I was a kid so I lost a lot of people and I just got so overwhelmed with it that I was like fuck this and like just kind of I, I just turned off the news and was like this is ridiculous like if the world explodes tomorrow I certainly can't like waste today thinking about it um, yeah. I mean, I still pay attention politically, uh, and I still, like, go on a non-profit news site uh, probably at least three or four times a week just to make sure that I'm not, like, a walking moron. But I can't, like, I'm not going to read for-profit news. Like, I'm not going to read Fox. I'm not going to read MSNBC. I'm not interested. If, like, an advertisement for a car or a clothing line pops up during some kind of news broadcast, I'm not watching this shit anymore. There's no reason you should be advertising to me when it's this important and it's this dire. That's stressful, dude. That's yeah. <laughs> so stressful. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just, I would rather just be an idiot and just walk around and just be like, you know what? You know, what I see with my own eyes, that's my reality, okay? Like, I can't control what goes on around the world, you know? And the news is sometimes so overwhelming. And you feel like you're just like... There's nothing you can do, you know? You just feel so helpless. No you shit. This is not your reality. and You only can do what's good for yourself to make the world, you know, better. You know, you have to love yourself, make yourself good to make sure that the world is a better place. Totally. You know? Take care of yourself. Take care of your yeah. mental health. Whatever, like, whatever that health. takes. Exactly, you know? As long as you're okay... Everyone else around you is going to be okay. The people that you love, that you care about, and that's what life is all about at the end of the day. You know, you can't. I think you did a good job. Everybody uh, that we connected with, I, I connected with so many friends from the past that 
I of course still think of fondly and I still consider friends, but I don't necessarily talk to like as much. And mm -hmm. yes, yeah, so many people reached out and it was so good to hear from everybody. And it was such a nice thing to see people like in a state of confusion and like fear connecting and not like isolating. Some people yeah, did isolate, exactly. which that's their right too. Yeah, they're afraid. They just don't know how to express how they feel. And that's really sad. That's why mental health is really important, of course. But yeah, you know, those people that felt isolated during those times, it was very hard. And we're both very social beings. We love to be out and around people. And so to be like told, you know, you can't go to a bar, you can't go dancing, you can't go talk to people. And we're just like, what? I have to sit at home and do fucking nothing? Are you out of your mind? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I was here for you it. You did? Really? Well, I was in a really bad spot. Like, I had worked for this guy and he was just like, you know, it sounds so stupid now that I'm out of it, but he was like a textbook, like abusive master manipulator who just like warps your head really bad. Okay. And I worked for him for like five years and I was just super burnt out and I left and I didn't, I, I realized that like something was really, really wrong and I left pretty abruptly. And then I started processing everything that had happened with him. And it wasn't like, you know, he didn't like rape me. He didn't like, we never had sex. He wasn't my boyfriend. There's no like big thing I can tell you that he did that made me so mentally unwell. But I can tell you that all the little things that he did amounted to something very large and that he did it to everyone that was working for him. And he created mm -hmm. a network of us being afraid to leave in case the other people there would get hurt. Okay. Which That's like really up. Yeah, which if you if you look into kind of like textbook like narcissist abusers, that's what they do and they do target you in a certain way and they do all of the things line up if you like do the research on it. I won't bore you guys with it, but the motherfucker fucking sucked. And yeah. uh and it really spun my head and so I left and then I got new bar jobs um which I wasn't ready for. I needed to take a break and like process it. And I couldn't because you got to make money and you got to work. And also I wanted to get like back to a healthier environment, back to, and the second job I got after that was just as bad. And then I got like two good jobs and I maybe worked those jobs for a month. And then it was March 13th and everything shut down. And I was like, okay, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. But also, like... you also got to make money, you know? Right. But, but I just said, fuck it. I was just like, fuck it. This is whatever just happened, just happened. Like, I need to just stay home and, like, really process. Uh, and I did. I, like, I was, like, the hardest of all the quarantiners. And people were like, you're such a hardcore quarantiner. And I was like, oh, God, you guys just don't quarantine that hard. I was like, no, actually, bitch, secret is, like, I needed it. <laughs> I'm acting holier than that, but I'm not. I'm just more damaged. Um, but, yeah, no, I, and, and even now, like, I don't like, well, I think I would like bars now. I don't currently like going to bars. I went to a couple and I was like, but it's still not a hundred percent and not that it has to be a hundred percent, but it's still not safe to go out to bars here right now are, really? um, oh yeah. And, and please don't let anybody like tell you that it is. Um, so the vaccine works, but it doesn't prevent the spread entirely. It prevents you from dying from this if you get it, which is great. That's wonderful. But it doesn't mm -hmm. stop you from spreading it necessarily. Um, and we still have like 
suggested mask use. And like you can go on any nonprofit news site and look at a map of the United States and see. And it'll ask you, like, go on NPR. NPR has very little to gain from you reading their news. Um, they're a donation site. So go on NPR and there's a big map of the United States and it says, should you wear a mask indoors in your state? And the whole country is hot red. And there's spots that are like hot orange, which is like the next second to worst situation. So when I mm-hmm. went to a bar the other day, like I always sit on a patio if I have to go somewhere and like wear my mask, whatever. But I go inside to order because there's not a waitress. The whole bar is packed and no one's wearing a mask. And it's just like, everybody's like shouting. And I was just like, also like, they, they were playing sports. Like I don't like sports. And it was really loud. Yeah. And I was just like, yuck. And everybody was wearing like jerseys. And I was like, oh, fashion. No. <laughs> uh, you would never make it into Nashville Fashion Week, losers. <laughs> I would say I've never been to Nashville Fashion Week. <laughs> Where's your Manuel suit? Um, I know, right? Yeah. I think it's, well, yeah, it's a lot different here. Everyone's pretty much vaccinated here. And there's not a lot of COVID. They're, like, super strict at the airport, you know, and... Oh, my God. LAX is a nightmare. Yeah. Have you traveled at all? Yes. Uh, When I got my COVID vaccine, my second dose of the vaccine, when we had that, like, illustrious, like, 14-day everything's going to be okay. Like everybody thought it was cool and nobody wore masks. Uh, I went to Mexico. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I was pretty close to like cracking. It was good for me to go to Mexico and I went by myself. Uh, I had a friend there that I met up with a few times. It was good to see her more than a few times, like almost every day. Um, Mm -hmm. and, but yeah, but I stayed by myself and like, it was just good. Like, I really like, I go to Playa del Carmen when I go to Mexico most of the time. I just really mm-hmm. like how friendly Playa del Carmen is because it's like all service industry. It's all mm-hmm. touristy. So it's all bars and restaurants and shops. So it's our people, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and our people can smell our people. Like if you walk into a bar and you're like, I'm a bartender. It's like, no, you're not. Like nobody likes you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but you I'm can tell. I've never had to make that. Oh my god, can you make me a white daffodil? I'm a bartender. Did I ever tell you about white daffodil? No. So I was talking about, like, um, fucked up drink orders. Like, when people order, like, a stupid name. Like, uh, I had a kid one time be like, yo, give me give me two sex with bleach. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, what's wrong with your dick, first of all? But, like, second of all, okay, two sex on the beach. Gotcha, gotcha. I wanted to have sex with bleach. <laughs> she had this sometimes now if you've heard me tell the story in person I'm sorry sometimes I lie and say that it happened to me if I don't know you very well because you don't want to hear a stranger's story about their friend so yeah I embellish my stories too to make like don't ruin a good story with the truth you know cut out the middleman bitch yeah like I ain't got time I'm not here all day so (laughs) (laughs) so my friend Erin she's bartending and she said, she bartended, I believe this was at Sambuca, if you remember Sambuca in Nashville. I don't know if that's still there. It might be. Uh, in the Gulch in Nashville. About it. I mean, it seems like the kind of place that would stay because it was, like, old to begin with. Like, it mm-hmm. was just, like, already, like, bougie outside of, like, what Nashville was going to do. So Nashville got bougier. It seems like it would stay, but who knows. Uh, yeah. 
So anyway, Aaron was working at Sambuca, and Sambuca always had a lot of prostitutes who would come in, and they would like, <laughs> young prostitutes who would sit at the bar, <laughs> you know. Well, because there's all these old divorce... Your place is in Nashville. <laughs> well, they were like high-end prostitutes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, call girls, but they weren't being called, apparently, because they were sitting at the bar waiting for a date. So exactly. they would go in. So the gulch in Nashville at the time was like all condos where like divorced guys or guys going through a divorce would move into. And they were like reliving their heyday. And there were like five or six bars there they would go to. My girlfriends and I all worked these bars. It was just a lot of douchebags. So these prostitutes, working girls, ladies of the night, whatever you want to call them, classy ladies. I'm going to call them classy ladies. <laughs> classy whore ladies. Classy ladies. <laughs> would come to the bar and they would order um, champagne flutes of ginger ale. Oh, okay. So that when somebody at the bar went to offer them a drink, they would see that they only drank champagne. Because they weren't looking for cheap motherfuckers to buy them drinks because they were looking to get a John who would pay up. Right, 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 right. Right, ladies, take notes. Classy ladies? <laughs> Duly noted. I'm going to put that in my... <laughs> I'll have a champagne glass of ginger ale. <laughs> Just order a champagne for the ginger ale, honey. <laughs> I'm going to be like, bring me the bottle and have the ginger ale in an ice bucket with my champagne glass next to it. <laughs> Y'all looking for a date? <laughs> I'm going to be belching so much later. <laughs> oh, shit. That's too funny. So oh stupid. God. So this girl comes in and she, she found a date. And she's with this guy. She is feeling, she's feeling herself. And she goes up to Aaron and she's like, excuse me. <laughs> she is real ghetto, like sounding. Excuse me. <laughs> um, excuse me. Can I get a white daffodil? <laughs> and Aaron is like an accomplished bartender and a smart woman and also kind of ghetto. So like she would be able to decode if you were asking for something ridiculous that was somewhere in her wheelhouse. She would also yeah. know what a sex with bleach is. Like, she's fine. And she's yeah. like, a white daffodil. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what that is. And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you oh don't. You, you don't. She don't, she don't know what a white daffodil is. <laughs> and Aaron's like, like, who is she? Point? Aaron's by herself at the bar. She's like, who is she pointing at? Who is she talking to? She's like, no, I really don't. But if you know what's in it, I'll make it. She's like, this bitch doesn't even know what's in the white daffodil. <laughs> She's like, and then the girl like turns and she has a glass in her hand and it's a wine glass with a little bit of pink wine in it. And she's like, oh my God. And Aaron's like, are you saying white Zinfandel? <laughs> important detail but I think it's an important detail the girl ordering the white daffodil was a white girl <laughs> just be, just so everybody gets an idea really yeah, in my mind with that mm -hmm. attitude yeah, I guess well but like in Tennessee anything goes it's yeah. kind of like um what's that girl what's that girl <laughs> you know the one <laughs> the one that's on Dr. Phil 
Oh yeah. Bad baby. Yeah. Bad with a B H. Yeah, bad Nicole Forgetti. Oh yeah, but she's a fucking. Oh my god, I hate her. Like she's a millionaire now, and she like did this OnlyFans thing. Did you read about that? Oh, like, I hate her because I ain't her. <laughs> I hate her because I hate her. Really. I wish I went on Doctor Phil and then cussed his ass out and was like saying all kinds of things that don't make sense, and then all of a sudden was a millionaire. Make me a rapper. I'll make a bad song too. <laughs> I know. I think it's just like this. I don't know. I think it's just like this obsession with like trash people. It's like. Oh, they're trash. I can be trash too, you know. And it's just like, no, man. I don't know. I kind of like. I kind of like it. I mean, I. I don't know. I have a, like a love hate relationship with it because, like, yeah, I think it's funny, but I also think it's a bad influence on people. Yeah. So you know, it's I'm, funny I'm, if you can take it with a grain of salt. But if you're yeah, like, yeah. I want to be Nicole Borghetti when I grow up, I would hope yeah. that you would aspire to be more. But also, she's so young. I don't know what she's going to do in the next 10 years. You know, she might, like, take that money. I mean, she might grow up and be like, you know what? I, I got really lucky. That was a really crazy ride. Let me, like, start a charity. We don't know what she's going to do. She's a kid. Fuck yeah, it. she might, like, be a grown-ass woman and, like, be, like, you know. But I'd like to see her become, like, um, like Mother Teresa. <laughs> but, like, still have really long fake eyelashes and, like, the, like, the curls in, like, her, uh... What's that called? Oh, right yeah, here? like the little uh, fucking uh, pasted on. Yeah, we used to call them artistic hairs, which sounds terrible. That's what they're called, <laughs> like ar my artistic hairs. <laughs> but now it's called something else. Uh, edges. It's called edges. Edges. God, I've been drinking. Sorry. Yeah, I know. My, like, oh, I feel, I know, pin curls. Pin curls are the ones where you like roll out. Yeah, you paste them like to your head. Yeah, these you paste. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but when you do like, so your edges are what you pull out when you put a wig on. Oh yeah. So it doesn't look like it's just a wig. So you get your lace front, and then you would pull all this out. But these are also called artistic hairs. These are very artistic, right here. They're doing their thing. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, what was I gonna tell? Oh, I learned some new slang. Okay. Okay, so my friend Peter join the military and he is our age so he's surrounded by all these young people and he told me uh if you want i don't remember all of it but i remember two facts we all still say facts like when you're like yeah facts duh mm -hmm. truth yeah. but when you text it you send a picture of a fax machine really mind blown who knew kids even knew what a fax machine was they don't they, they think it means like hardcore facts so Good, really? good to know. Yeah, so when you're like, oh my god, so-and-so hooked up with so-and-so, then send a picture of a fax machine. Okay. Fax. Fax. Uh, if you want to go somewhere, or you're into whatever somebody's telling you, so if I'm like, Erna, are you down for some ice cream right now? And you were like, fuck yeah. You would say, say less. Really? Say less. Say less. Yeah, so if I'm like, you trying to get a drink? You're like, say less, girl. Really? That's some new slang. Okay. Some new slang. There were some other ones. I don't remember them. Maybe they'll come to me as a conversation. Okay, goes on. this is like a California slang. So it's like California slang. It's like, I think it starts there and then it kind of like trickles down through the state. Oh, I haven't heard any of this in California. Okay. This is, this is from Mississippi. 
Oh, okay. Are you in Mississippi? No, but he is. Oh. So his military training, it just comes from young people, generally speaking, I think. Oh, really? It's just like a young people thing. Okay. Yeah. Say less. Say less. I think I'm so old now. I don't know what to do. You look great. Like don't worry. Just lie. What are you doing? Are you working in bars? No, I'm actually, I was uh, managing the cafe and this museum, um, and now I'm just doing private events. I actually, I've like decided to quit being in the front of the house. I'm more in the back of the house now, like just cooking. I love to cook. And, oh, dude, that's so fun. Yeah, and it's just like my new passion. So I'm just like, I'm applying for a job that's like really close by to me, and it's a really nice restaurant, and I love it. Like, just want to go there just to learn. Yeah. New things, and then like you know, just like level up, I guess, you know, because I hate going to school. I'm ADHD as fuck and I can't sit down and study. I fucking so hate school. Like, learn from like doing, you know, learn from experience. That's how I learn. No, so. and that's a better way to get a job anyway, because it's what you know how to do and also who you know. So if you learn mm -hmm. from experience and you're kind of mentored by somebody already in the game, then you have a great reference and you know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. It's like when people ask you, I mean, it's not the same because it's not like, restaurants are a little different because cooking is more precise. But when people are like, should I go to bartending school? I'm like, no. Off. No, no. Buy a push-up bra and fake it till you make it, babe. And then use your first yeah. references to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, I think we were just like, you know. Hot. We just went in and we just winged it, you know. Like, that's how it is. Like, well, we were hot. We were smart and hot. Yeah, that's really all yeah. it takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that you can't be dumb and ugly and get a job in a bar. I've met a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's quite a few, actually. They're dumb and hot. There's a lot of dumb and hot. Oh, yes. A lot of dumb and hot. Oh, yeah. bless them. Yeah. I love dumb and hot. <laughs> Do you remember Mamory? So I took Mamory out of Brew House and put her in a different bar in the book. But I had to put her somewhere in the book. So Mamory, I I don't I think she was like my replacement at Brew House, right? Was she? I think she was. I think I, I quit Brew House because I didn't like the tank tops. <laughs> they had a built-in bra and they were short and we worked in a beer bar. Like, what the fuck? Like, why would you yeah. make us all wear crop tops, you guys? Yeah, that's not cool. And I didn't like the ones, and I know this is like, well, I don't know, maybe now everybody would be up in arms about this, or maybe not. Times have changed. But I didn't like the ones that said great cans on the back and said drink till he's cute. Like, I felt like it was yeah. like, especially since so many, like, there, it was such a date rapey environment at that time. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, if you were a drinker at that time, Every girl had, like, a date rape story from somebody that, like, she thought was a friend. Like, all of us did. And it was just, mm -hmm. like, so shitty, especially to have, like, a couple of, like, wolves in that particular den of brew house that were so date rapey to have to wear a shirt that basically says, like, drink till I black out. And then was, like, sexist with, like, a girl holding, like, beer in front of her tits. I was just like, fuck this place and fuck that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I quit over a shirt, but, like, not really just over a shirt. But then I came back in to see you guys, and this girl was working, and I think you were training her. Oh, yeah. And Mamory. I was like... I was like, Orianne, her name is Mamory. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, hon, what's I your know. name? She's like, Mamory. 
nice to meet you. But she said, she said, Mamrie. <laughs> I was like, that's your name? And she's like, yeah, my name's Mamrie. And I was like, I'm Oriane. Hi, Mamrie. It's nice. And she's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and everybody, and like, I, I think it was Jason. I think it was fucking Jason. Mm-hmm. Was like sitting there. He's like, hello, like, memory. And he even said it wrong and like pointed to his head. And I was like, like, you think about boobs a lot? You think about boobs? Like, I was like, what? He's like, like, you have one? And I was like, I have two. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I did not get it. Her name was Memory, you guys. She couldn't say it. It was Memory, but it's in her southern accent. Sounds like memory. <laughs> you know, that's something that people don't think about when they name their child. They don't yeah. think about where they might end up, and they don't say it with the accent. Like, I'm going to name, what's this other? <laughs> like, um, I mean, this isn't, you would never name your child Black Ice. But if you did, and you moved to Tennessee, they'd be called Black Ass. <laughs> be like, black Ass. <laughs> I don't know about that. Same with memory. Maybe she's going to call herself Mamory. <laughs> Mamrie. Do you have any Nashville stories that you want to tell? Or any, just any stories you want to tell? I don't care. Um, you know, there's so many, like, Nashville stories, like, I don't even know, but I was just, you know, we were just so crazy and young and, like, fucking, I love the Buffalo statue story. Oh my god! I still have it! Hold on, do you want me to get it? Yes, yes. I have it. It's one of the few things I haven't gotten rid of because of how... Yes, we need to talk about that and then the panties. Okay, oops, we never got around to telling the panties part of this story, but Erna and I went into the same bar where we stole the buffalo statue, and we had on these ridiculous outfits that came with, like, matching thongs, but we weren't wearing them. We just had them in our pockets, and we got, like, all these shots of disgusting things that would coagulate, so, like, grenadine, Baileys, Jaeger, just everything nasty, and we, like, smeared it on, like, the pussy and, like, butt of the thong, and then hung the panties all dirty looking like they'd been shat on on the Elvis statue in the bar for the bartender to find the next morning okay that was that story back to the podcast (laughs) (laughs) there is the buffalo statue from rebar oh my god so we went to rebar Mm -hmm. holy shit I had just moved across the street from Rebar. So the first night I went to Rebar, before this happened, I went in and I was like, hey, I just moved across the street. I'm going to be your best customer. And I proceeded to get so fucked up that I couldn't get down the stairs in front. And like, I literally lived across the street. It was a 14 second walk. And I made somebody call me a cab. And the cab was no, so good. I was there. No, I was there. I was there with you. I was like sliding down the cab. <laughs> we were drunk as shit. And we walked down. We're like, let's get a cab. I was like, let's get a cab. And you're like, okay. But I lived down there. And I was like, no. Cab. <laughs> yeah. We're so drunk. I was like, girl, we need to get a drunk. No, we need to get a fucking cab. Because you're too drunk. 
and the cab driver was pissed. He made he went like around the block like five times. He's like, I need to make my fare, bitch. Like you live literally right there. We're like, yeah. Are you kidding me, man? I was like, no, but she can't walk. What am I gonna do? Crawl, bitch? Like, just help me out. I'll... And we were like, we'll pay you. We'll just pay you. And he's like, no. And he like, like didn't want to just take like ten bucks. I just went around the block. Like, okay. I'm here and I'll pay you ten bucks. Like, fuck off. Yeah, I'll save you time and energy, sir. But like, just please yeah. don't make me walk. We noticed that night that they had these Buffalo Trace napkin stands that had these buffalo on them they didn't look like this at the time they're just these little plaster cast uh brass buffalo look at his ribs look at his little dingling <laughs> uh, <laughs> dangling he has a dick but oh no he has i'm sorry that's gross he has balls though i just i was like he has a dick but no balls i don't know why i thought the balls would be right next to the dick on a bowl and then i was like oh wait they're back here by the ass uh like poor barbie and ken they have no genitalia like, this like, is not how humans look in real life. Well, and also, like, yeah. what are they doing? Like, Barbie and Ken, like, that's so, uns- so unsatisfactory. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a, like a plastic. They're just super into nipple play. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we noticed that they had this display with this buffalo on it. And I wanted it. Super attracted to it because there was a dick on it. Maybe. Maybe I was I horny. Yeah. I think at the time I was just crafting a lot, but it could have been the dick. I, I... Yeah, I think it was the dick. <laughs> we'll go with it was the dick. Yeah. I'm going to go with it was the crafting or anything it was the dick. We'll agree to disagree. It doesn't really matter because the point of the story is we took the buffalo. And I remember when I went to take it, I was like, I tried to pull it off and I was like, it's glued on. And Erna was with me. We went back again another night, obviously. Yes. Erna always was like, no nonsense. And was like, fuck this. We're doing it. And she was like, no, it's not. And she like tried to pull it up. And it wasn't, first of all, we were very drunk. It wasn't glued on. It was Velcroed on. And yet yeah. we, were, you know, we were too drunk to figure that out. We were like, it's sticky. So Erna just picked up the whole fucking napkin container and was like, bye. And turned around and walked out of the bar. And like the bartender followed us. I was like, ma'am, ma'am, excuse me, ma'am, please stop. And I was just like, nope. Like, didn't turn around, didn't look back, and I was like, just following her. And I was like, yeah, we're not, we're not turning back. And then he just gave up about, like, four feet into the chase and was like, well, guess that's gone. (laughs) So then I painted it. Yeah. To make it cute. We brought it back, didn't we? Yeah, we brought it back. Look, I made it look like a joker. It was the year that um, The Dark Knight came out, so the joker was very popular. (laughs) It has little emerald eyes, okay? This took time. Yeah, you did such a great job with him. Like, Thank you. This is expensive nail polish epic. here on his rib and dick. Really? It's yes, beautiful. it was OPI, girl. That's that's not discount. Yeah, that's beautiful. I would fucking buy that. If I had a million dollars, I would buy that for him. Do you have a million dollars because I would sell it to you? <laughs> if I had a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. You did another one, though, didn't you? You took one from another bar and you made it like a Titans player. Yeah, and they loved it. Yeah. I brought that one back, and they were like, this one is so much better. Thank you so much, because it was so stupid looking before. And I was like, that's what I'm saying. But Erna and I took the original bull back to Rebar, and they had, like, an attitude. The bartender was, like, bitching about it. He's like, well, now that it looks like that. 
regret it when that thing is going to be sold for millions of dollars. Right. I just got an offer from an Icelandic investor for a million dollars for this thing. Yeah, exactly. Cool. But exactly. then the best thing is we it's gave true. it back. We, we put it back on the bar. And they had, they had a new one. They had a new one. Like we knew they would because it's a free promotional plaster cast thing. Who cares? Yeah, it's a free Who cares? fucking thing from the bar reps, you know? It's like... Right. And that's a strange thing. And, like, that that doesn't happen here in Iceland. So it's, like, really strange knowing that there were so many bar reps in, like, Nashville. Like, people would come in with their alcohol, free, like, swag, and, like, promote our liquor, you know, try it. It's so good. You know, it's so crazy. Like, it does not happen here. It's like. You just hit me with the European. You went, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. I don't know. It's so crazy. Cool. <laughs> Doesn't happen here. It's cool yeah. music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's like I've been here in this island for like four years. I mean, yeah, I've been traveling around Europe and stuff, but like, I'm so scared to come back to the States. Like, really. Just wait um, a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And when you I come, come to California. Come yeah. straight to Long Beach, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my father's in the States right now. He just went to Florida. He'll be there for a couple weeks. Florida. And he's actually going to Tennessee. He's going to, like, you know, see how everything is, you know, because it's, like, we have this kind of, like, outside perspective. It's just, like, so demoralized in the States. We used to get a lot there, you know, and it's, like, very, like, you have to have, like, a thick skin living in the States. Like, you know, and it's really hard. It's rough, you know, and it's like, you see that living here in a country, I sometimes would just weep just because of the kindness that people showed me for, you know, that I never received. I never received that. And it's like, wow, you know, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling to know that you are like protected and cared about and are like worthy of a good life because everyone deserves that, you know? So, and it's just like, we're just... Agreed. You know, I just think it's a shame that, you know, people are arguing so much in the States. And like you said, like, I had to block a lot of my friends that I grew up with. Because, you know, I grew up in... I grew up in Wilson County. I grew up in the Deep South. And it was... This propaganda was always pushed on me. Like, the racism, the, you know, the anti-gay, like, the biblical shit... Yeah, that weird, that weird, like, love everybody except for these people thing. So weird. Yeah, and it's so weird, and it's just, like, this kind of, you know, religious abuse thing, and it was, like, it's insane, you know, and I come here, and I realize what the, the fuck they were kind of feeding me from a very young age, and I have to, like, deprogram myself and understand that I'm worthy of a good life. Like, no one can tell me different, no matter what I choices I make. If I want to use drugs or have gay sex or whatever, you know. <laughs> drugs and gay sex! Yes! Let's yeah. do it! Drugs and gay sex. Like, that doesn't make me a bad person, you know? And it's Quite the like, contrary. I was, like, always pushing on me. Like, you know, you can't do drugs. You can't have, like, sex at all unless you're married and it only has to be with the opposite sex and you know it's just like insane it's a great way to like brew up a lot of very unhappy dissatisfied frustrated people with anger issues which is like 
Yeah, exactly. I felt like I was just like, you know, because, you know, I had like, you know, I was just like, I kissed a girl when I was like, you know, 14 and they made me feel like I was like so bad. It's so horrible. And it just like ruined me. You know, I felt like I was like, you know, I guess I felt like I was just like, I was damaged goods and then no man would love me, you know. That's horrible. Like that, yeah, really. And it's just like, they don't understand what this propaganda or this like religious shit does to a child in their brain and what they're thinking, especially like a young woman or a young teenage person, you know. So I always try to tell Cloud, like, you know, be open with me. Just tell me everything. I will never judge you. I will never like tell you what's right or what's wrong. I just want to like listen to you, hear your story, hear your perspective, because like I will never try to shame you or make you feel bad. No, because what does that accomplish? I just had this conversation yesterday with a friend who's our age. He is 38 years old and he's gay. Um, and he... He's still being shamed by his parents about being the less, the lesser son because he's a homosexual, which is insane to me because this person is kind, so accomplished, so educated. And yet, and I, and I see this in him and I've seen it since we were friends when we were kids that this judgment from his family that he is lesser than because of something that is 100% who he is. Like, he's, I'm sorry, but your sexuality is your sexuality. So, like, it ain't changing. You can you can repress it. You can lie about it. But it's not going anywhere. And, like, it's yeah. just natural. Part of naturally who he is, his parents have told him is wrong for so long that at 38 years old, he has health problems now. He has emotional problems. He has abusive exes and I'm like this is all tied to your formative like your foundation telling you there is something fundamentally wrong with you and so you've exactly. tried to like subvert who you actually are every step of your life because because something like your family it, when it's your family it's the most powerful when it's the church that your family goes to same same that's like an extended family when it's all the people around Okay, red alert, big warning. We are both about to sound super breachy, but we're also super drunk. So like, don't hate us. When it's your classmates, when it's the media, like fuck off. Like stop telling people all this crazy religious proper fucking ganda. I'm sorry. But if me fucking whoever the fuck I want to fuck or doing drugs or doing whatever makes me feel okay or the complete opposite, being motherfucking Teresa, lands me in heaven or hell, bitch, I will see you there. Chill. Yeah, exactly. I, we will all be at the same fucking party. There's no proof that Jesus or God has ever existed. So it's fine. You want to have your religious views, that's fine. But don't push that shit onto other people. Like, it's, it's not right. There's no proof. There's no science behind it. That's I'm the sorry. weirdest I, thing about Christianity. Huh? That's the weirdest thing about Christianity and a lot of, like, offsprings, like Mormonism, um, Jehovah's Witness, is that they say, like, you don't get into God's kingdom unless you push it on other people. 
Okay. Well, and the thing with Christianity is that, like, Christianity is hand-in-hand with colonialism. So, like, by telling people there's... I mean, these people must have been real dumb Mm. back in the day, which makes sense, because, like, you know... It makes sense. They didn't have internet. They didn't... I know. I'm like, I'm like, I praise the internet. I, I, like my, my Jehovah is, um, the internet. (laughs) I'm like, all I want is for like Twitter to be installed in brains. And people are like, Mm -hmm. that's the antichrist. And I'm like, no, no, no. It would be really awesome. Cause how hard would it be to be racist if you had like access to all information in your brain? Yeah, exactly. exactly. But you would like blow your head off right now. So like, don't do it yet. Don't make me the first model or do that's cool. If my head explodes, then we know. Like that bitch was not racist though. <laughs> exactly. I was like, we all need to be connected somehow. Damn it. And if I need to be the guinea pig for that, I would do it. I would do it. Ridiculous! All this like arguing and fighting. You shouldn't do it. You're a mom. I'm single. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. And when my head explodes from being the first ever Google in the brain, then you can sell this for a million dollars. The buffalo. <laughs> But you have to put a little like. Have it on record, guys. Yeah, one million, one million dollars. Not necessarily Icelandic, not American, because we don't know what's gonna happen with this country once my brain explodes. Uh, one million, uh, maybe uh, euros. One, one million, million Ethereum tokens. <laughs> one million kisses. <laughs> one million bear hugs from your best friend. <laughs> there because Erna and I went on for about another two hours and we got dumber and dumber and dumber as the drinks got stronger and stronger and stronger. So to save face a little for both of us, I cut the second half. Uh, I usually cut out pretty decent sized chunks of the after party because after party is longer than you would want a podcast episode to be anyway but in this case I cut out the entire thing I usually keep the little section where I tell people to say goodnight or say goodbye to our listeners um I don't know what happened with Erna I don't know if she got like a booty call or an offer to go do something really fun but all of a sudden she popped back on after taking a phone call and was like, okay, gotta go girl, bye, and hung up real quick. So I didn't get a chance to have her do a closing, but I'm sure she wishes you all well. And thank you so much, Erna, for being on the show. You were a hilarious guest. I haven't laughed that hard in so long. I miss you. I miss the adventures that we had when we were BFFs in Nashville. What a time to be alive. Oh, my editor's growling. Did you hear her? Anyway, good night, everybody. Uh, Also, if you liked the story today and you haven't already, you can get a copy of my book, Rebound, by going to www.orianderutter.com. And of course, as always, that is in the show notes because I'm not going to make you try to guess how to spell my name. All right. Bye. See you next week.